0: Welcome to the Clash Music Podcast. This issue, we talk with Coldplay, arguably the biggest band in the world right now, as they prepare to return with new album Viva La Vida, or Death and All His Friends. It has already topped the charts on both sides of the Atlantic, and confirmed the band's position at the top of the League of Rock. Cover stars of the summer issue of Clash, Coldplay were apprehensive of the reception they would receive as they prepared to release their latest long player. It's been a dream ride though for the four young men of Coldplay. Now on album number four they've yet to put a foot wrong, garnering massive praise and mammoth sales each step of the way. We talked to the bands Chris Martin and Guy Berryman just before the release of Viva La Vida as the excitement built and with it the expectation. First we asked how they felt on the eve of the release and the story behind the title of the new record.
1: If I'm honest with you, man, it feels fucking terrifying and I would like to go and hide in a hole for a few months. But that's not really the answer I'm supposed to give. But you've caught me on a morning where I'm just like, fuck it, I can't take it (laughs) anymore. You know, it's like no collection of songs can withstand, you know what I mean, a certain amount of pressure. It's like, for every one person that says I love it, there's another person that says I hate it well, it's a sort of mixed feeling, really. I mean,
2: it's obviously very exciting, but it's obviously very terrifying at the same time because, you know, we're just sort of sitting on it at the moment, just waiting for people's people. And, you know, we put a lot of work into this record and, you know, we just hope it's going to be received in the way that we want it to be, really. It's a very strange emotional time, really, because, you know, we've finished the record, it's been mixed and it's been mastered, and it's, you know, at, at this very moment in time it's being manufactured somewhere mm-hmm. so you can't you know you can't fuck with it anymore you know it's done so let it go and just and just wait until it comes out in the shops and, and stuff like that yeah, it's very exciting but it's also very terrifying at the same time the main thing is we're all actually pretty confident about it I mean I think there was a few issues we all had with the last record as soon as it came out you know I think we, we realised we'd made several mistakes as soon as it came out but I think we've really covered our tracks this time and and just you know we've made it quite short you know I just think overall yeah it is there is trepidation but we actually are very confident as well because we you know we really put put a lot of work into
1: it there's a painter called Frida Kahlo this Mexican painter who lived this very extraordinary life and painted these very colourful paintings but often with some quite crazy themes underneath them but they were always very brightly presented and she had a painting called Viva La Vida. There's a museum where her house used to be, and we went there last year, and we were looking at this painting, and we were like, we've got to call our album that, because despite the Ricky Martin overtones, it presents the right image that we're going for, you know? We gave the album kind of one-and-a-half titles, and the other half is Death and All His Friends, and it was kind of a, well, not a joke so much, but we thought it'd be nice to give the album two titles, and then people could choose if they found it depressing or uplifting, I had this girl come up to me the other day in the street who said, I like that song Yellow, but the rest of it makes me want to cut my wrists. I was like, no, (laughs) you're supposed to listen to it after you cut your wrists, and it's going to make you feel better. Sometimes we get a bit lost in translation, and sometimes we don't, so I think that calling it that is probably a message to ourselves as much as anyone else.
0: Viva La Vida saw the band work with noted sonic landscaper and producer Brian Eno a man credited with inventing ambient music and playing nursemaid to U2's Ascendance to Superstardom. So, does the new album hold any major sonic surprises?
1: The thing about big success is that there's a big portion of people who don't want you to change and an even bigger portion of people who do want you to change, I think. I think on the last record we felt pressure not to change, so we didn't change that much, but then when we finished that we sort of felt like, well, we're really hungry to try new things. We made those records with
2: the same people. And it's just, it's weird, it's just, it's little tiny things. It's like, you know, those three records all contain the same font, the same typeface of the band, you know, the Coldplay sort of lettering. And it's everything and nothing really to kind of move away from those three albums. I think we just needed to, well, you know, most of all, we needed to work with different people and we needed to try different things. Otherwise, we were very much in danger of becoming a parody of ourselves. You know, there were several treatments for some of the new songs that we've recorded, which just sounded like too much like Coldplay. And um, it was very important to us to, to do, wherever possible, anything different, you know. Um, which might have meant, you know, changing the people that we were recording with or changing the instruments we were playing or just our general approach to recording, you know, we spent a lot of time playing each other's instruments on this record, which kind of made things very fresh. Um, I think, you know, Brian Eaton, obviously working with Brian was very exciting because he brought so many ideas to the table. To be sort of non-specific about it, he really just made us feel um, that if anyone has an idea, then voice it and, and we'll try it because actually what we discovered was that it was the most ridiculous ideas which always turned out to be the best ones you know and it was always the ideas which everyone placed so much hope in which turned out to be just boring and dull I mean I don't think he specifically made us change instruments but he gave us the freedom to try things like that you know so he, he he made everyone feel that if you've got an idea then it's it's very important that you say it and that we try it as as a sort of general rule of thumb really all the things on the record which you think, oh, that's that's Brian's, and, and absolutely not. <laughs> All that sort of ambient, sort of synthesizer sounds and stuff were done sort of almost completely without him. But it's funny because you know when you think when you think, oh, I'm working with Brian Eno, it, it almost compels you to kind of make you do what you think he should be doing. But he actually brought to the table, a lot, you know, a lot of different influences. There's a song called Cemeteries of London and rather than use conventional sort of percussion he suggested that we use flamenco style clapping you know to, to create a rhythm track and stuff like that so to be fair to him he actually created a lot of different sounds and themes on the record which you wouldn't actually associate with his previous work.
0: Coldplay's unblemished career trajectory has attracted critics as well as fans we asked how the band dealt with negative reviews and people's preconceived notions of who Coldplay are.
2: You know, sometimes if you're reading something negative, I just get an overwhelming feeling that they're writing it from a preconceived idea. You know, either they're just, you know, Coldplay haters. And I think a lot of journalists will have decided that they want to write bad reviews about this record before they've even heard it, if you see what I mean. You know, I think people want to... uh, make up their minds before they've given anything off there, listen. And, and that annoys me, the fact that people can base their opinions on, well, not really based upon facts. And I'm just hoping that this record will throw a lot of people and make them think differently. But, I mean, you've got to get quite thick-skinned about it. You know, otherwise, as I said to you before, you know, it's very easy to sort of take all the positive comments for granted. And, you know, as I said, it only takes one person to write something which you know negative which just kind of really messes you up and I think the hardest thing to deal with is basically the fact that you can't please all of the people all of the time and I think you know we're all quite control freaks in a way really and it it annoys us that we you you can't make everyone like you. you know you know no matter how hard you work you've just got to remember that there are people in this world that absolutely detest the Beatles and Sometimes it's just hard to understand where people are coming from. But, you know, of course, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. I think, you know, when you're a new band and you first come out, everyone wants to jump on that sort of bandwagon and herald you as the next big thing or whatever. And then as soon as you sort of enter the mainstream, all those people that initially felt that they discovered you, you know, or the cool gang that you know, I like to call them, as soon as everyone goes mainstream, it you know becomes unfashionable or uncool to like you know popular bands, and I think you know it's actually particularly in the British press, I think people like to sort of big people up and then cut them down from underneath them. So you know sometimes you just got to be thick-skinned about it and just think, well you know we're just musicians and we're just making music and you can't get too caught up
1: in it really. At the moment, it sent me into a bit of a spin, but ultimately I think that you just accept that scrutiny is part of what you do and If no one was scrutinising, it meant that no one would be interested, which would probably be even worse. I mean, I think we'd rather be hated than ignored.
0: <laughs> now on album number four with the band members in their 30s, the passing of Time is a sentiment that has informed the new album with talk of cemeteries, death and Chris Martin's personal ghost story.
1: 31 now, so I'm staring down the barrel of old age. That stuff is bound to creep up.
0: No, I think in the last year or so, we've all
1: had some loss and some bad shit going on, so I'm sure that comes through a little bit, but I hope that at the end of it, it's like optimistically facing those things, rather than despairingly. That's definitely our intention, but I think to ignore that side of life would be to sort of paint an erroneous picture. Ghosts are supposed to be people who haven't Around their final place, right? And the images that I was, was thinking about was, well, we just thought it'd be funny to spend your whole life trying to get to heaven and then you die and you get to the gates and they say you didn't quite make it. And so, I don't know, that, that always kept popping in my head, that idea of not being on the guest list. I have had one in Wales where I was asleep in a hotel room and I woke up and there was this sort of, like, I can't explain it, sort of hot air moving around the end of the bed it wasn't Johnny just doing a fart I don't know and a couple of little days like sometimes in a place in daytime you'll it never tends to be at night but I don't know I, I definitely believe in all that stuff you know even if you look at most movies as soon as it gets to the morning in a horror film it's like whew, everyone breathes out for a bit you know it's like, okay we can start again. Coldplay <laughs> have turned into a hammer horror film there's no question.
0: Outside of their musical output, all of the band members now have young children. We asked Chris how having kids affected his life personally, and as a songwriter, pondering the world's mysteries.
1: Well, I think having little kids makes you, well, first of all, it makes you really not want to waste any time, so it makes you prioritise, I think. Second of all, it makes you think about what kids think. And then third, it just fills you with kind of the miracle of wonder, you know, like, the whole circle of life thing which you haven't really thought about up to that point well it makes you a bit more both ways I think, because you obviously want your kids to be okay you know, that automatically breeds you know, a bit of pessimism and a bit of optimism
0: As their personal lives have changed so has the music industry 2007 saw Radiohead put their In Rainbows album online with fans choosing the price We asked Chris if that was a move Coldplay would consider, given their success and freedom from the financial concerns many bands face.
1: I mean, it's a dilemma, isn't it? I think in an ideal world, if you can do it for free, you should. A lot of people can't do it for free, so people who are listening to it should almost, I don't know, it's almost like with every record you release, you should release a bank statement to say, listen, we really need you to pay for this one we don't need you to pay for this one so much because we just released The Joshua Tree last night. You know what I mean? I think you have to make it probably a bit more specific to each release because, you know, Radiohead, they're in that lucky position where the Ting Ting's aren't. you know, and so I personally think that everyone should pay for the Ting Ting's record. No, I think we're kind of living in a changing zone for music and how it's received and how it's listened to and how it's delivered. I think we're kind of like in the beginning of the last century where... Cars were starting to come in and horse and carts were starting to go out. I think we're musically in a similar kind of place, so I don't pretend to know what the answers are. I think, in my head, I feel like we haven't done anything. But Yeah, well, that's the thing that drives me, is, is that I feel like we haven't ever started. So I never think about that, It's a little... I mean, it's a little silly, really. But that's genuinely the way I think. I don't wake up in the morning and think, God, I'm in cold, I wake up in the morning and think, Man, we need to try and get signed today. I'm still in that mentality. I wish I could break out of it one day and just drink champagne, but it (laughs) hasn't happened yet.
0: As the interview ended, we found Chris musing on the meaning of his musical career and his hopes for how his music is consumed.
1: We've always believed that this whole spirit of rock and roll is not so much about wearing leather trousers and taking loads of coke. It's about following your independent thought, you know, and free thinking, basically. And so I find that, especially now, it's hard to stand up on your own and say what you believe in, you know. I wish that I could apply this more in my own life, just to be proud of what you think and always willing to learn and stuff, but to always be prepared to go out on a limb without fear of being shot down. I don't know, in my own life I find it like a daily challenge to put ourselves out there because we know that we're going to take a certain amount of heat. It's funny, I was reading this about Thomas Edison you know, Some people thought he was ridiculous sometimes, but he always just kept on going, and he believed that he could invent a proper light bulb, you know what I mean? And just people like that I find really inspiring, because they, they had their passion and just went for it. So that would be what I would like to have a hand in doing. I mean, ultimately, we're trying to provide a service, you know? And for, for all the sort of wanting to be cool and everything, really what we want to do is make someone who buys our record or comes to our concert have a nice hour and feel something and that's one of the reasons I like the changes that happening in the industry, is that everything is a bit more direct. And so, you know, if I had my way, I would just hope that, you know, someone on the way back from school listens to some songs. And, you know, the journey from school is a bit less boring, you know. When we go from here, we can just try and make bus journeys really exciting.
0: Thanks for listening to the Clash Music Podcast. Head on over to ClashMusic.com for videos, all the Clash features, alongside more interviews, competitions, downloads, band blogs, and much, much more. Clash magazine, issue 28, with Coldplay as the cover stars, is out now, and available from Borders, Xavi, WH Smith, HMV, FOP, Barnes & Noble, and all good newsagents. It features exclusive interviews with Coldplay, Lou Reed, The Zootons, Tricky, The Subways, Emily Harris, Albert Hammond Jr., Johnny Marr and many more alongside a CD cover mount of the summer's hottest new tracks and your huge free summer festival supplement giving you the lowdown on all of the Alfresco music on offer across the globe this year as well as the latest album and film reviews and fashion trends and all the cutting edge insight you've come to expect Coldplay were interviewed in May 2008 by Clash editor Simon Harper This podcast was produced for Clash by Inner Ear Remember to keep an eye on classmusic.com every day for news, reviews, debate, advanced listening features and a community of like-minded lovers of sound. See you next time.